Welcome to Leadership Works with Chris and Karen Conley. We are looking forward to a great conversation that we're going to have with you today. Chris and I have just had the opportunity to experience some incredibly great leadership opportunities. And so we want to come and share with you some of the different things that we've learned and really, Chris, just kind of this over your life. I'd like for us to kind of theme today's podcast around this question. How do champions think? How do champions think? The people who are the champions of their industry, of their craft, of their profession, what differentiates them in the way that they think? One of the things that I believe is a driving force in a champion's life is that they are always learning. They never know it all. And not only are they learning, but they seek out opportunities to learn from the best. As we talk about this podcast today, one of the things I just want us to have a conversation about is for all of you out there that are leaders, leaders are always learning. You hear that statement all the time that leaders are readers and readers are leaders. Well, in this context, listening to a podcast is one of the ways that you're learning. But beyond just listening to a podcast, I want to encourage you to think about conferences where you get away from the busyness of your life. You get away from some of the demands, at least as much as you possibly can. Unfortunately, that phone, you know, travels with you. (laughs) Yeah, we need to be able to put outgoing messages on our text that says maybe we have this technology. I just don't know it yet. That says I'm out of town. I'll get back with you later so that the texts aren't piling up when we're in the conference. But there is unbelievable value to setting aside three days, going somewhere just for the purpose of learning and just soaking it all in, marinating in it, thinking about it, having conversations about it, making action points, and then thinking about how to process it when you get back home. Well, and I was learning from you even while we were there because I had my program for the first conference. I had the opportunity to join you. I was taking some notes, but I made the comment to you. Some of them were inspiration, which we definitely needed and enjoyed that, but I didn't find myself, you know, writing copious notes as they were giving different stories and illustrations. And I'm watching you like just fill up your journal. And I finally leaned over and asked you, like, what are you writing down? Tell them what you told me. Yeah. When I take notes, maybe a third of the notes I take are actually what the speaker said. You know, it's a quote. But two-thirds of what I'm writing down is my application of that quote or my context for that quote or that principle. It's me trying to just think through it, add to it, and apply it in the context of either my life personally, my life professionally, my life in ministry, how we can use it in the context of others. So I just try to build upon whatever that truth was. And so two-thirds of what I'm writing down is just how it's applied. Obviously, everybody has their different learning styles that that will work for some and not for others. But that idea of right there while you're in the moment of asking, how does this apply to me, brings to life the reason that you're there and allows you to really take away much more than if you are just taking bullet points and what are the top four points of the message. Yeah, so I would say one of my best practices through the years when we go to a conference, I take those notes right there in the moment. I'll just write AP for action point, circle it so that I can go back oftentimes later at night in the hotel room, 
there are times I also, if it's possible, I will schedule actually a later flight the day after so that I can stay one day later to put all of the action points together to begin to build an implementation plan because I know as soon as I get back home, all the demands of my family life and the demands of work that I've been away, they're going to catch up with me. So I try to do all that gathering of those action points together, put a plan in place so that we can then begin to implement it. Well, and I know as the one who kind of keeps the tabs on the budget in our home, for some of the listeners, they're like, this is terrific. It would be a business expense. And I would certainly see if my employer would let me go to some type of leadership conference. For others that maybe you're self-employed or don't have that opportunity, it is an investment. And so it is certainly something that you want to do with good stewardship, but to understand the value Absolutely. The economy route, the podcast, you can get tons of information in this age through technology. But there is something about just being away and being able to stay in a place of, we say all the time around High Point, not just working in it, but working on it to be able to step back and evaluate whether it be a conference that is is leadership driven, which is what we were able to attend, or something that is another value-based, faith-based, even like a Beth Moore type event, there's just a big difference between being there physically and being away as opposed to watching a simulcast or, or something like well, that. Well, and, and as someone who is a leader and someone who's a boss and has a lot of people working for me, let's say for some reason it couldn't be a professional expense, but you actually prioritize some vacation time and you went on your own dollar to a leadership conference and then you came back to your team or to your boss and you shared some of those insights and you talked about the ways that you just experienced self-improvement and professional development, then my opinion of you just elevated. It just went through the roof and I just made a mental note of, wow, and I'm probably going to say this out loud. The next time you want to do something like that, let me know. I want to help make that possible. Well, great word of encouragement for everybody out there, regardless of what type of leadership role you are in. We are all leaders. All of us have influence. So, Chris, just to give a taste of some of the great teaching and observations that we were able to be a part of, the first conference that we were able to participate in was the Jim Blanchard Leadership Forum. And if my memory serves me correctly, this was the 11th anniversary of this forum, and it is at Columbus State University in Columbus, Georgia. It has become just a who's who of great Christian leaders. And so I believe it is considered more of a value-driven event than a faith event, but almost all of the speakers there have a personal relationship with the Lord. So it was really the best of both worlds. Maybe share a little bit your impressions. I know this particular conference has been an influence in how we created the Leadership Works Conference here in Memphis. Well, since that conference has now been in existence for 11 years, and last year we had the privilege of attending the 10th anniversary of that conference, you have the perspective of time. And what you're really able to see is that a lot of times people who might be a little bit cynical or naysayers of this kind of stuff, they were like, it's just an event. I mean, it's just information. It's just another conference, just another thing to do. And sure, it's inspiring and everything. But like those things rarely get applied much beyond that. And I'd say, no, 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 absolutely not. This conference has truly influenced the leadership culture of the entire community of Columbus, Georgia, and beyond. It is remarkable to see the cumulative effect 
of how bringing in some of the world's best thought leaders, some of the world's most respected people to bring them into that community, to give the leaders in that community the ability to learn from, to be inspired by, uh, to be equipped by, to interact with, to be up close and personal with these types of leaders. It elevates their personal leadership and professional leadership, and it really has cause that community to work together on bigger projects and to solve bigger problems together in all the different, whether it be small business or whether it be corporations, you can see that they have improved in advance because of this investment in leadership. And just on a personal level, I simply wanted the same thing for Memphis, Tennessee and beyond. So God put that vision in my heart to say, we need to create something similar. What we created was Leadership Works, where the whole theme is my town, my time, my turn, because it is my hope and prayer that our conference is again. It's so much more than what it was this year. It was a great event. It was a half day event, half day for executive leaders, a half day for established and emerging leaders had over 900 people attend the event, but it was so much more than that. And it will become so much more than that because it takes time to build the culture of leadership. And that's what the Jim Blanchard Leadership Forum has done. Maybe I can give a little bit of a visual of what that looks like over the course of time, because within the Columbus, Georgia community, and I don't have any numbers in terms of their population, but it's definitely a smaller community than the city of Memphis. Jim Blanchard is a very well-respected leader in that community. He was president and CEO of Sonova Bank for 30 plus years. His desire was to be able to bring the caliber communicators and Christian leaders into their city. Oh, look at you, my sweet husband and his little Google here. 202,000, basically, people in Columbus. So obviously a much smaller venue than Memphis. They have a military base there. Both of the years that we've been there, there have been four-star generals that have spoken. And they have obviously benefited from not only the event, the forum itself, but also Jim Blanchard has created a leadership institute there at the university. But you saw the small businesses as well as the large businesses and the military nonprofits, all of them benefiting and all of them networking. With the time that we have left, our heart in this is really to just encourage and inspire other leaders out there, the value of taking that time and getting away. I would be remiss if we didn't really share some of the nuggets of truth and wisdom and leadership perspective that we were able to experience. Can we talk about Jim Nance and his conversation that he had with us? You are more the sports guy than I am, but most people will know Jim Nance's voice, even if they don't know him. He is the one who is the sports announcer for the Masters, for the NCAA Double Final Fours, for the Super, Super, Bowl. Bo- Super Bowl. He's done the Super Bowl, the Final Four, and the Masters the last four or five years in a row. Those three events, three of the biggest events in all of sports in a 63-day window. He is kind of the grand slam of sports announcers. One of the things that I really appreciated about his talk was he talked about how he became a member of the University of Houston golf team. He was recruited to play there in college, and he talked about the first day when he showed up. There were seven freshmen, new players, I believe, on the team, and they lined them all up, and the coach wanted them to introduce themselves and tell the team what they hoped to accomplish with their life. 
And he stood up, first one in line, I believe he said, I'm Jim Nance, and I want to be the commentator for the Masters. Voice of the Masters. The voice of the Masters. I knew it was more eloquent than what I said. And about three people down in that line stood a young, as he described, somewhat introverted gentleman by the name of Fred Couples, who said, and I want to win that Masters. They ended up becoming roommates, and then I think there was a total of four of them that kind of became close friends. Three of them, minus Jim, wanted to play professional golf, and Jim had it in his heart's desire to be able to be an announcer. And he fast-forwards to the fact that, sure enough, Butler Cabin, and if you're not a golfer, that is the place where they award the green jacket at the end of the Masters. Aren't you proud of me? Uh, I'm just pulling this out. (laughs) And uh, I've not done research on the Masters. I know that everybody is really excited to know that. But he said just such a surreal experience. There he was handing the green jacket to his former teammate. And he said, you know... All of us believed in one another. No one laughed at each other's dreams. We kept believing for each other. And he said, we used to go back to our dorm rooms and practice the interview in Butler Cabin. On so many levels, that resonated with me. And we talk about how your friends will make you or break you. And here was an example of all four of those men have fulfilled their dreams And it's not that they were maybe the most talented golfers in all of America, but there was something to be said with that talent combined with the belief and others around them believing that they could accomplish it that allowed those goals and dreams to be fulfilled. Yeah, it was such a fairy tale story that actually came true. But what was so fascinating about the story is when you go back to the beginning and his coach asked each one of them, you know, what is your ultimate dream? What do you want to accomplish? Jim Nance had this dream in his heart and was confident enough and bold enough to say, I want to be the voice of the masters. And his confidence actually created confidence. And he kind of gave everyone else the privilege of going first to be able to express their dream. And then for Fred Couples to say, I want to win the Masters. And then one of these fun little examples that he came along the way is he said frequently when they were together and they would introduce themselves to someone else who was a person of importance or a person of influence or a leader in some way that when Fred Couples would introduce Jim Nance. He would say, this is Jim Nance. One day, he is going to be the voice of the Masters. And then Jim Nance would turn around and say, and this is Fred Couples. And one day, he's going to win the Masters. And then in 1992, Fred Couples wins the Masters. And Jim Nance said, and I can hardly say it without crying, you know, because I'm such a sap, right? (laughs) Um, But Jim Nance said the camera was focused on Jim Nance, and it was not on Fred Couples, and that they were trying not to make eye contact with one another because they knew they would both just burst out in tears at the moment becoming real. His whole point about that moment was this. Friendship is the key to greatness. Friendship is the key to greatness. He said, we had believed in one another. We rehearsed it together and we did it together. His whole definition of success was that successful people surround themselves with people who will make it possible. He says, success is surrounding yourself with the best people possible on your team, surrounding yourself with the best people possible on your team. He was an unbelievable storyteller. And it was so inspirational in so many ways. 
Our life is made richer because one person's dream came true. And when we hear that his dream came true, there's something about the dreams in our heart that go, oh, oh, maybe there's hope for me. Oh, maybe I shouldn't give up on that dream. Maybe I shouldn't quit on that dream. Maybe I should dream a new dream. And if I was not at the Jim Blanchard Leadership Forum, and if I didn't prioritize taking two days out of my busy schedule to be at that, maybe some of my dreams would have died. As you're sitting here talking about friendship, even you and I have had conversations recently of it is so easy in the busyness of life to allow things and deadlines to be what just keep you going and to think that, oh, I'm going to take out some time and take off some time to either get away to a conference or to grab a few friends and get away feels like, oh, we don't have time, but that there is value in those relationships. And what we did gather from Jim Nance is so much of his success in life has come through successful people making time to invest in him. So frequently when we're successful, the more successful you are, the more busy you are. The natural deduction of that is I don't have time. But the greatest success that we have seen from all of these great people that we've had the opportunity to be with and to spend time with is that they all had successful, busy people make time for them, invest in them. And Jim Nance said this because of that. He says, I am wired to do everything in my life out of gratitude. I am frequently criticized about being a little bit too sappy I think the, the word air. he used was schmaltzy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he told the story. I think he greets everybody, hello, friends, at the beginning of every um, broadcast. And he said, you know, I'm criticized for that. But he tells the, the back story. And the next time you hear him commentate an event, if you hear him say that, you'll know that his father, who he deeply regarded, had Alzheimer's or dementia in his later years as his sister and mother were taking care of his dad and he was in and out for different events that at one point he told his dad tomorrow when you hear me go on the air I'm going to say hello friends and that's my greeting to you and he has done that now ever since in honor of his father right now as you're listening to this podcast who are the people in life that you're a little bit further along and you've been a little bit more successful and there's someone looking up to you and, and they're thinking, I wish I knew what you knew. I wish I had what you had. And how can you pause long enough to give them your time, to give them your attention and to help them like someone else has helped you? And you might be saying, well, I don't know that anyone really helped me. I kind of got a little bit of chip on my shoulder. I don't feel like people took enough time with me. Then don't repeat the cycle. Break the cycle and decide right now that the greatest success of your life is going to be making other people successful. Stop focusing just on your own success. The greatest joy in your life will be making other people successful. This resonated so much. He said this, lots of passion outweighs lots of talent every time. But when you have both, you can truly be special. Lots of passion outweighs lots of talent every time. But when you have both, you can truly be special. So he says passion and talent is an unstoppable combination. That's something that if you want to be great at something, I don't know how you can be great at something and not be passionate about what you want to be great at. Also, we ultimately in our leadership are in the people business that we don't want our greatness to just be about our achievements. We want our achievements to be about 
people. As we come to the end of our time today, I'm kind of jumping ahead, and I know that we will do a part two so we can share some more of the truths that were encouraging and inspiring and informational to us. But would you tell the story that you told me last night you got in, and as we were having dinner, you were telling Mark about, I believe Terrence was his name, that used to work at Coca-Cola yes, and is now the CEO of Fellowship of Companies for Christ International. That was another incredible example of how how someone was able to be successful because somebody else poured into them. Yeah, so he is a young man working at Arthur Anderson back in their heyday when they were one of the most respected accounting firms in the world. This is a big, big opportunity for him, and he only has one suit. And he says it was a mauve suit. Okay, so picture that in your mind. And he says, and everybody at the corporation, I mean, they have these incredible gray suits, power suits, these navy blue suits, the wingtip shoes. And so he said that he and two or three other buddies basically didn't have all this money and they didn't have all the resources to go buy all this nice clothing and stuff. What they would do is they would swap out suits all through the week so that, you know, that there was two or three of them that ended up having the combination of five suits and they're each wearing one another's suits. One of the guys that we was, need to find someone like that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the leaders in the organization came up to him and he said, hey, listen, I've been watching you. I really respect who you are, just how earnest you are, how committed to excellence you are, you know, how hard you're working. I would love the opportunity to come alongside of you and just really teach you how this world works and how to be successful in the business world. And if that's okay with you, I'd just love to mentor you in that way. And of course, I mean, he said, yes, thank you. I so appreciate that. Kind of the first mentoring appointment was, is he grabbed him and one of these other guys and they went to lunch. And after they went to lunch, he took them to this really nice place that customizes suits and he bought all of them incredibly expensive. He said, you know, a suit that was so expensive that it was more expensive than the rest of my wardrobe in its entirety and bought me these amazing wingtip shoes and set me up to have confidence as a leader and to set me up to have higher dreams than I could ever have for myself. Someone believed in me and they gave me a gift of belief, not just a gift of a suit. They gave me the gift of believing in me. And once they believed in me, then it accelerated my ability to believe in me and it advanced everything in my career. I think that is a terrific way to end this particular podcast. And I hope that it has given you some ideas of how you can be that type of leader to people um, that maybe are a step behind you, whether that be professionally or in any really phase of life that we are all called to be givers. So thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We hope you'll come back and listen to part two. If you want more information, check out leadershipworksconference.org or you can follow either Chris or I on social media. I blog at KarenConley.com. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Conley. Have a great day.